As we're beginning a new year, take some time to evaluate the course of your life here on Abounding Grace. Is your life so, so focused right now that, that it's money? I need more money. Is your life so centered? I, I, I want to fulfill this ministry desire of mine. Is your life so focused that, that right now the request would be, well, listen, God, he wants to give you spiritual power if you ask him. We learn that in the book of Acts when Jesus teaches us about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's power available to you. Ask for it. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You From Calvary Aurora, this is Abounding Grace. Thanks for tuning our way as we get back into Pastor Ed Taylor's series in 2 Kings. Elijah is about to be taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. We'll see what happened during his final moments on earth, and Pastor Ed will offer up some observations that we can relate to our service and ministry in the Lord. Here he is in chapter 2. Pick up in chapter 2 now, verse 1. It came to pass that when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. And Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here. Please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah, verse 6, said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me on to the, to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. So even the way Elijah is going to enter into the presence of God is going to be miraculous and interesting because he's an interesting man. This is the last day on earth for Elijah that we're reading in chapter 2. And what does he do on the last day of his life on earth? He invests it and spends it strengthening the faith and commitment of his disciple, Elisha, uh, of the one that will take over. He was spending time in pouring into him. And there together, four different times, Elijah tests Elisha, asking him to stay back while he moved on. And Elisha, he passes these tests with flying colors. I'm not leaving your side. And personally, on a personal note, Elisha is dealing with the reality that he knows Elijah's going to leave. He knows he's going to die, that his time is short. Whether he realizes or not specifically that this is the day. He knows it's very, very close as the prophets keep coming. Don't you know that it's going to happen today? And you know how things are. When you know something is imminent, in your mind you begin to think, oh, I hope it's not today. I hope it's tomorrow. I hope just delay it. But he's dealing with the reality that as the prophets keep telling him, today you're going to lose your friend. 
And each of the four stops, we notice Elijah tells Elisha, stay here, I have to go, and I'll be back. But Elisha says no. And each of the four stops actually speak of something in their lives. It was John Corson that brought this out, so I want to jot it down for you. So you can circle each of the cities, and each of the cities speak of something that I think is important for us to recognize. So in verse 1, Gilgal is the place of preparation. After 40 years of wandering, the, uh, wandering in the wilderness, the Israelites stopped at Gilgal to prepare for battle. Then we move on to the area of Bethel in verse 3, and Bethel is the place of realization. This is the place where the Lord revealed to you, is revealed to you like Jacob would at the place where, this is the place where he revealed himself to Jacob, and so Bethel becomes this place where God is revealed or realized. Jericho, well, Jericho is the place of what? Confrontation. Why? Because it was at Jericho where war and utter dependence upon God to bring victory took place. And then finally, Jordan is the place of expectation because it was there that the priests put their feet into the water and they stepped out in faith. And it wasn't until their feet got wet that God would stop the water to cross over. Beautiful. Gilgal preparation, Bethel realization, Jericho confrontation, Jordan expectation. And this was what was building in the life of Elisha. Elisha now is the type of ministry brother that you want to have in your life. Elisha is the type of ministry brother or sister that you want to be in your life. This man of dedication. Often in in our language today, we refer to this biblically as like-mindedness. You want to be serving with like-minded brothers and sisters. A love for God that it leads to a love of knitting you together. To go to war together. To be prepared together. To realize the presence of God together. To expect great things from God together. Here at Calvary, we, we have a growing group of men and women that God has allowed us to serve alongside of in unity, that literally love me, my wife, my children, and those that are serving. There's a mutual love. Oh, don't misunderstand like-mindedness and love. It's not like, like we never make mistakes or we never have to forgive one another and work through things together. Of course we do. But we want to be like-minded. God sent me to Aurora, Colorado for this very purpose. I'm living out the calling of God in my life. He sent me not to plant a church, but to be a part of a church that he's planting. And trusting me with the leadership of just 30 people. Actually, the, the reality of, of the entrustment of God in my life actually started with just five people. Me, my wife, and three children. That was my responsibility. To be a, a loving husband, leading my wife, loving her as Christ loved the church. And to be a father, raising my children in the ways of the Lord, training them up in the way that they should go, and trusting that when they're old, like every one of our children, and they come to that crisis of faith and that significant temptation, that their faith will become their own and not just their parents. And then over the years, five became 30. 
And then 30 became 15. <laughs> I grew that group really big. That was the day, that was the first time that I found out that when the Broncos play, people don't come to church, man. That's it. And I had to learn a lot about Colorado. It's not California. And I have learned a lot. I've learned a lot from you. You guys have taught me a lot about how to pastor and how to serve. You've taught me how to recover from mistakes. You've, you've taught me forgiveness. Unfortunately, some people have taught me what bitterness looks like and what betrayal feels like. That's all part of the package. My life belongs to the Lord. Why would I get anything less than Jesus? And why would you get anything less than Jesus? And together, fulfilling my role to serve this community, to pastor and oversee this church, it's a blessing. And I love you guys that serve. I love you guys that are just new to the church. I love everyone on the radio. Now, that love is going to be different depending on the knowledge that we have together. But that love motivates me to dedicate myself to prayer, study of the word, and, and practical discipleship to the point of exhaustion sometimes. Praise God that you can get tired for the Lord. That we can, I mean, I used, to, I used to party 24, 48 hours, sometimes 72 hours in a time, man. And I'd catch a little catnap here and there and, and we'd run out of booze and we'd go get some more. And I used to, man, I used to, I used to just give everything to the devil. And I want to devote the rest of my life to giving everything to the Lord. Because none of those nights brought any fruit or good to the things of God. Like-mindedness is so important. It's part of our servants class. If you want to serve here, you need to listen. It's required. It's part of the application. You have to listen to our servants class because in those six studies, it gives a little bit of insight on the heart and the, the, the direction of ministry, what it means to serve here. And one of the studies focuses on that time when Moses went up to the mountain, and when his arms were up, there was victory. Moses was up on the mountain, Joshua was down in the valley, and what? Aaron and Hur came alongside to hold the arms up of, of Moses. And as his arms were held up, there was victory. And as his arms were, came in, there was defeat. Now, there's the focus on Moses and Aaron and Hur, and those are, good, those are good insights, but can you imagine if Joshua ever picked up on this and would just glance up every once in a while to see where his arms were? And maybe that one time he went up, he looked up and he saw his arms are falling, guys. And it's so loud and everybody can't hear him. So he's just, and he's just going crazy. Lift his arms up. And what I've, what I've learned even in my own life serving my pastor is my pastor doesn't need me to hang on his arms. He needs me to hold his arms up. Amen. That's the commitment. That's like-mindedness. Like-mindedness doesn't mean we see everything the same way all the time. It just means that generally we have mutual love for one another. We're going to go into battle. That's what happens in the military, isn't it? Complete strangers, they fight back to back. Why? Because they're like-minded and they're committed and they go through the warfare together and spiritual warfare is very similar. We have to love God and we have to love this church and we have to love the pastors and the people of this church. You know, there's a lot of churches in town. Have you guys noted that? And, and every church has a purpose and so do we. Uh, there's a variety of personalities and a variety of people in our city. So what does God do? There's a variety of churches. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And so God has put our church, this little fellowship family, in this city for a purpose. We want to fulfill it. We're not in competition with any church. We don't look down on any church. We just want to stay in our lane and serve the way the Lord wants us to serve. And, and that means there's going to be a uniqueness about our fellowship. It's going to be different. 
It's going to be what God wants. And, and so you, you, you and I, we have to love the people. There's some really broken-hearted people that come to this church. There's some really bad, crazy testimonies in people's lives. There's some people you're sitting next to that really were that close to losing it all and ruining everything. There may be on occasion somebody next to you that reeks of alcohol. And instead of getting all legalistically judgmental on them, I hope your heart is, how's this guy going to get home tonight? And I hope he's sober. And how can I serve him? You know, now with marijuana legal, you every once in a while, we, we went through that in the last study, so I'm not going to go through it in depth because I really messed up last time, but you might smell someone that smells like pot. And then immediately, oh, what a pothead. What, what if it's not them at all? What if they live in a house where their parents smoke it? Like, what? who are we? Who are we to pass judgment on people that are struggling and wrestling with sin when that's where we were not too long ago and that's where we are? You know, that's a, I, I imagine this. Let me paint a picture for you. You're screaming and yelling in the car, arguing, mad. You might have flipped somebody off because they cut you off and, and then you come in, oh, I love the Lord. And then there's a guy that smells like Paul. You can't believe it. And, and what did you just do? Like, you should just be broken before the Lord and say, please forgive me. Cut that finger off, Lord. I never want to use it again. Forgive us, right? Isn't it true that we can be some of the most hyper-judgmental, hypocritical people on the planet when we should be the ones that appreciate the grace of God more than anybody? Look what we got saved from. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Lord, man. I wouldn't be here. We forgot the pit so quickly. We forgot the miry clay so quickly. I remember one of the pastors, maybe it was D.L. Moody, he said that God saves to the gutter most. Well, who else was in the gutter? I was there a few times. I was in the gutter because things were so bad, my friends kicked me out of the car. They didn't want me there and left me in the gutter. And I would wake up going, dude, I must have really ticked someone off last night. That's how bad it was. And now God would give me the privilege of going to the gutter and serving someone. I was there. That was me apart from the Lord. And so in our hearts and our minds, we, we want to be like-minded. And, and it's not like-minded with us. That's the secondary. The first part of like-mindedness is you love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Then you love your neighbor as yourself. It starts first upward, then outward. And, and if this is an area of struggle for you, if, if perhaps the Holy Spirit's touched on something in your life, the first thing to do is go to the Lord. And then the next thing to do is to relate to those that are around you and walk humbly with our God. There came a point in Paul's life a very discouraging time in his ministry where he wrote this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. He says, But I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own and not the things which are of Christ Jesus. We learn some important principles there. First of all, the heart of Christ, of Christ Jesus is the heart of sincerely caring. And the heart of Christ Jesus was sincerely caring that Paul had that same heart. He sincerely cared. And then God brought with him, in this case, Timothy. Timothy was there who shared that heart to sincerely care, to be a servant. And the word like-mindedness comes from two Greek words, equal and soul. It's really a deep connection. The idea here is unity and harmony 
and agreement together. It, it means to be activated by the same motives, to share the same character. And what a blessing it is for Paul to be able to say that he had Timothy that was like-minded. And he was willing to be alone in order to bless the congregation and send, it seems like, the last person in his life at this time that was like-minded so that he might go care sincerely for the flock. What a blessing for Elijah to have Elisha. And what a blessing for me to be able to serve with so many people that are like-minded, that love the Lord and want to reach the city and, and are just willing to serve God, to surrender their lives to him. Well, in verse 9 it says, And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away? Well, let's go back because I need to go to verse 7. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water, and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And so he said, you have asked a hard thing, nevertheless. If you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire, separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. It's just a gloriously miraculous thing. I love what Elisha asked in verse 9. You know, go ahead and ask. And what does he say? Well, I want a double portion I know what you've done, Elijah, and I want to do double. I want, to, I want more. And Elisha's ministry wasn't always easy. It didn't always make people happy. And so what Elisha was asking was not just to be involved in the miraculous, but also a double portion of the pain and the difficulty. And they get to a comfortable spot on the other side of the Jordan, and Elisha just says, what do you want? What can I do for you? And he asked a double portion Above everything else, Elisha wanted spiritual power. If, if God asked you the same question today, what would you ask for? What is it that would come out of your mouth of somebody in your life? I mean, Elisha's hunger was spiritual power for the sake of someone else. We don't know that yet, but in the entirety of his life, we see he did double the amount of miracles that Elijah did. He was used mightily, in a, double, in a double way. What would you ask for? Is your life so, so focused right now that, that it's money? I need more money. Is your life so centered? I, I, I want to fulfill this ministry desire of mine. Is your life so focused that, that right now the request would be, well, listen, God, he wants to give you spiritual power if you ask him. We learn that in the book of Acts when Jesus teaches us about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's power available to you. Ask for it. God, say, say, God, baptize me in your spirit. The answer to the issues in my life is not more of something. It's more of you. He, he looks at Elijah and says, you know what you did? I want to do double. I want to carry on the ministry in your life. Remember what Jesus told the disciples? He said, you guys, you're going to do more than me. Can you imagine hearing that from him? You're going to do more than me. And what did they do? In the context of people getting saved from their ministry, they did a lot more than the human ministry of Jesus. They were involved in so much. 
And that, I, I had to really step back in my, as I was jotting this down and just thinking it through, and like, man, Lord, I want more spiritual power. I, that's what I need. Because when I physically can't do it, when I'm physically weak, when I, I just have no ability to reason or take care of, or man, God is teaching me. He's teaching you. In your weakness, what? His strength is made perfect. Ask for double. Ask for double. Elijah recognizes in verse 10 that it's a hard thing, but he wasn't able to do it, but God was, and he was taken up in a whirlwind. And again, Elisha's just tripping out. I would trip out, I think. You're just like, whoa. An amazing thing of what God is doing. And he cries out, but he received the mantle, the place of power, the place of authority. You know, we receive our mantle today not from men, but from God. It's just representative. But we use the word ordination today. The idea of ordination is God's approval on a man for the work of the ministry. And whenever you have someone on stage here that we pray over and we lay hands on, it's not the church that ordains, it's God that ordains. And all we are affirming is, man, God's anointing is on that brother. God has used him. And when we bring somebody before the congregation, which isn't many times, but when we bring somebody before the congregation, those of you that know them should automatically agree. So yeah, that brother served me. He was at the hospital. Yeah, he called me back. He re- yeah, he's been involved in my, yeah, yeah, amen. I see God's anointing in his life too. It, it shouldn't be the other way around where the whole church goes, what is he doing up there? Why is he up there? Who, what kind of church is this? No way. What we see is what you see. Because why? A person with the anointing of God is going to obey what God said. He's going to be among the flock, serving the flock, ministering the gospel. And so when we think of ordination, or, or in this case, the mantle of God, that anointing, that approval, it comes from God and not from man. We don't serve men. We serve God. Now, in serving God, we serve men, but it's that order. We don't serve men and then somehow one day we'll get to God. No, we serve God, and because our hearts are knit together and like-minded with God, we serve man. It's never the other way around. So here we are. We don't have enough time to finish, but we'll finish next time in this chapter. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor has been in the book of 2 Kings. Hear these studies online at calvaryaurora.org. And you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes as well. We'd also suggest adding a couple of apps to your phone. Look for the Calvary Aurora app and the Grace FM Colorado app when you do a search for Calvary Aurora. Have you made a New Year's resolution? Many of us have. But perhaps you're frustrated as you're finding it hard to break free of a stubborn habit. We'd like to offer some help in the form of a book by Erwin Lutzer. It's called Getting to Know, spelled N-O. In it, he provides practical tools that will help you find the freedom you desperately want to have from those nasty, bad habits. We'll send you a copy when you support the ministry of Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. We can't thank you enough for your support, especially as we begin another year on this station. It's a step of faith, and we continually ask the Lord for His provision. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org. Ed, here we are on Friday and the weekend is ahead of us. What do we have going on Saturday and Sunday here at Calvary Church, Colorado? 
Larry, I want to invite everyone to join us, whether you're here physically, if you live in the metro area here in Denver, come on out, become a part of our church family. God's doing great work here. We have Saturday night service at 6 p.m. Uh, we gather together on Sundays at 8.45 and 10.45. And for you guys listening from outside of Colorado, that's Mountain Standard Time. So you can join us if you're not here live. We live stream everything through our app, through our Grace FM. You can listen live, and you can also uh, go online to calvaryaurora.org and connect with us there. But we'll be in the Word together. We'll have dynamic worship. We'll have ministry for our kids. We'll have a time in God's Word and just a taste of heaven. And that's what it is. That's what gathering together with the saints is all about. It's a taste of heaven. We're encouraged in the heavenlies. We have our mind firmly fixed on Jesus, if just for 90 minutes, so that we might be encouraged and reminded of His love and His grace and His mercy in our lives. So be encouraged in all that God has for you, and we would love to have you uh, come and join us and be a part of our church family. We're so grateful and so encouraged. Thanks, Ed. Again, you can find our service times and directions at calvaryaurora.org. That's also the place to turn if you'd like to watch our live webcast, calvaryaurora.org. We'll have another look into Second Kings next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.